Hello and welcome to this Endo Life. I'm Jessica Duffin. I'm an Endo Warrior and Endo Health Coach, and this podcast is all about living and thriving with endometriosis. As always, this podcast is here for educational purposes only. Please consult your medical practitioner before making any nutritional changes or bringing in any supplements. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to give a shout out to my lovely sponsors at BU. And I wanted to tell you about their new bath bombs, which are naturally made and contain beautiful essential oils. And their peppermint and eucalyptus essential oils um, bath bomb is doing so well right now with endometriosis community. They're getting loads of feedback about it. And, you know, if you love the patches themselves you're going to love the bath bombs because essentially it's (laughs) the patch in a bath bomb um so you know if you're on your period or if you're in pain you could have a bath with some of the bath bombs or one of them i don't know you could have multiple if you want um and then yeah get out the bath maybe rub in some cbd balm and put your patch on top, which is um, what a lot of people are feeding back that they're doing. So um, I would love to do that, but um, I don't have a bath, so I can't. But if you have a bath, um, then, you know, I think these new bath bombs could be a lovely way to help alleviate some of your pain. So if you'd like to check them out, you can go to BU which is buonline.co.uk and you can also order them from anywhere in the world on cultbeauty.co.uk and they deliver worldwide. So before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to give a shout out to the lovely girls at Semaine. They are two sisters with endometriosis. They've been on the show before and they founded Semaine, which is a supplement company for people with periods to originally, their first supplement was to aid with PMS and period pain. And I know that it is a lifesaver for so many people with endometriosis and painful periods. I absolutely love that supplement. It's really helped me when I've had to kind of follow protocols for SIBO or, you know, I've had a stressful time and I've been worried about my period. I've been able to avoid a flare with that supplement and they've always been so kind and um, kindly sent me sent me them when I when I've needed them. And now they've come out with a new supplement called the Daily, and it is a hormone balancing supplement, which is designed to help with healthy skin, stable mood, fewer cravings in your luteal phase, blood sugar balance. And they recently gifted it to me. Honestly, I said this to my client the other day. My blood sugar levels have never felt so stable as they did when I was taking that day, daily supplement. As you guys know, I I work very hard to stabilize my blood sugar levels because that will keep inflammation down and it also ensures that you have healthy balanced hormones. It's, it's really, really key. And I have a history of having really unstable blood sugar. Originally growing up, it was because of my eating disorder. But then in later years, it was much more down to firstly following a vegan diet when I didn't understand how to build my plate, a healthy blood sugar balancing plate. And secondly, because of my microbiome and my microbiome because of SIBO is 
built to actually extract more glucose from my food and cause blood sugar instability. This is actually a really key piece of blood sugar. If your blood sugar is resisting all of the strategies you're trying, that is a massive clue that your microbiome is affecting the way that your blood sugar is is being controlled in your body. So we need to work on that, work on your gut. And mine has improved mine has improved massively, but I still react much more um erratically than someone else would to blood sugar fluctuations. And I couldn't believe the difference. It was like I had a whole month of like stable blood sugar. It was incredible. And as a result, I had much more of a healthier cycle. I felt a lot more satisfied. I had less food cravings. I just felt a lot more stable in energy. So I'm a really big fan of this. And as I said, blood sugar is a huge piece to managing your hormones, hence why blood sugar is such a big part of their their supplement. So the girls have kindly given me a discount code for you guys. It will get you 20% off your first um, order, whether that's the daily or the PMS and period support capsules. And the code is ENDOLIFE, one word, all caps. So E-N-D-O-L-I-F-E. And that code is valid for the next six months, I believe. So you can use it at any time. Um, So let me know how you get on with them. I'd love to hear if you find them as amazing as I did. And I hope that they bring you a happier and healthier cycle and period. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today's episode is really useful if you are finding yourself burnt out from your current you know, exercise routine or movement routine, or you're struggling to find a form of exercise that works for you with endometriosis. Today on the show, we're talking about cycle synced yoga with Elisa Imperatori. Elisa Imperatori is a certified yoga teacher and menstrual cycle and perimenopause educator. And combining yoga, body literacy, and the phases of the menstrual cycle, she helps people turn their menstrual cycle into an ally so that they can go from menstrual pain, mood swings, and just not understanding their body and their cycle to body harmony, reduced symptoms, and a happier healthier cycle. So in today's episode, Elisa and I are talking about how to use yoga to experience a better cycle and to manage chronic endopain. In this episode, we're discussing what cycle sync yoga is and how it differs from the typical yoga that we practice in Western society, the evidence-based benefits behind yoga for endometriosis and chronic pain, how to practice cycle sync yoga for endometriosis symptom management and hormonal health, how to practice yoga safely with endo and how to tailor poses appropriately to prevent flare-ups and the specific poses that Elisa loves for pain relief. So if you want to be able to move your body in a way that supports you with endo rather than worsens your endo, this is such a great episode. So I hope you enjoy it. Here she is. Hi, Elisa. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi. Hi, Jessica. Thank you for having me. So um, let's start with yourself and the work you do in the world. For anyone who's, who's not familiar with your work, it'd be great to yeah hear what you do. Yeah, thanks. So 
Yeah, so I'm a certified younger yoga teacher and uh, menstrual cycle and perimenopause educator. And the work I do really is like helping people turn their menstrual cycle into an ally so that they can go from menstrual pain and shame to really uh, sitting into a place of radiant strength and presence. And, uh, you know, as often happens, and I think it was the same for you, um, I got to do the work I do uh, basically thanks to the struggles that I went through and to fighting my own battles, which of course I still do, but that's how everything started, right? And just quickly, just to give an idea of like like how things happened and and developed. Um, so I got into this idea of cyclical, um, really conscious cyclical living and cycle synced yoga um, because I've always struggled with really severe PMS. And ever since I can remember, my periods were like a nightmare. And, right. uh, and I also was like a young professional gymnast. So you can imagine I was like under a lot of pressure. Like mm. my body for me was just a result-making machine. It was just a performance tool, right? And um, and my menstrual cycle was just this bothering thing that each month would come through my period and nothing more. Mm-hmm. And then I went on like this with severe PMS and irregular menstrual cycles. And of course I was given birth control pill and painkillers. And then at some point I just said enough is enough and I don't want to uh, take the pill anymore. And then I had to deal with post-pill symptoms and uh, yeah. a lot of bad stuff and and still premenstrual cramps was like major thing in my menstrual cycle. And um and then I went on like this until basically I got pregnant and um and then when I gave birth, everything changed. That that for me was my turning point um, because everything really turned upside down. And um, and I got, I definitely got postpartum depression. I mean, mm. I was not diagnosed with it, but now when I look back, I see all the symptoms. Definitely, that was my thing. And uh, and I was bleeding so much, like my menstruation was so intense that I couldn't leave the house for two days at least in a row. And this went on for like a couple of years at least. And so I was like, this can't be. And um, I really felt at the same time, I really felt a deep connection with my cyclical nature. Like I was practicing yoga already and I got this, you know, this inner knowledge, wisdom kicking in like this um cyclical rhythm can't just be a burden you know i it has to be something else and um and that's when i started doing all the work research learning training experiments and and i combined i ended up combining the yoga with the knowledge of the physiology of the menstrual cycle and the subtle energies of the menstrual cycle and I think I built this, you know, self-support system that allowed me to live pain-free and not only pain-free, but in tune with my menstrual cycle. So that was not anymore an obstacle, a burden, but it was like I could feel empowered 
by it instead of it having having power over me. Wow. I mean, that's an incredible, incredible story because I just think that sometimes you hear about yoga and you're like, ah, oh, you know, I mean, I, I practice a kind of hybrid of yoga and Pilates, but mm-hmm. um, I'm by no means like I'm, I'm not very good at it. <laughs> I just do it. Um, but you hear about these these transformation stories and you think well, it's it's just yoga but to go from what you went with like this extreme period pain extreme pms um to all of that being managed is is absolutely incredible no wonder you wanted to go down this route right and and kind of share it with the world yeah that's how everything started i started sharing the work and what what worked for me and putting it into service of others and definitely yoga was the starting point like i could have never done this without the awareness and the consciousness that to achieve that you achieve with the practice of yoga and yoga really was to open the door to this deeper knowledge deeper wisdom so that it could really you know blossom within mm-hmm. myself yeah. definitely so for anyone who I mean I know we've been talking about yoga since I guess Madonna made it <laughs> you know popular in the what late 90s or early 2000s yeah, I can't remember right. yeah. um but let's start with like the basics of yoga so we're just kind of starting from a foundation you know what is it and what are the kind of general benefits yeah so it is it is like a basic question, but actually it's a very deep one, you know, because because of what you said right now, yoga is in the West is known basically mostly just for its physical aspect, right? Mm-hmm. It's like we do yoga, we do, we perform uh yoga postures and then we think we do yoga. Um, so I just want to uh take a step back and just say like yoga in in um its root. It comes from this ancient Indian discipline. It's like thousands of years old. And actually, it's not a physical discipline. It's a spiritual one. And I always like to say that um, the benefits we get on a physical level, they are kind of this nice side effect of your spiritual quest. This is how I like to put it. And um, so... Traditionally, yoga is is really uh, the aim of yoga is liberation, liberation from every pain, uh, pain and sorrows in general, uh, from a physical level to a spiritual one. And when you reach this liberation, you then um, say you bring union between your soul and what's called the eternal truth, this universal truth and but it sounds a bit all a bit (laughs) woo woo right and Mm -hmm. and so if we want to bring it a bit more into practical um everyday um life then you could think about it like you know you're not continuously pulled in different directions when you sit in this state you're not pulled in different directions by what happens around you, by what you feel inside yourself, but you sit in a state of uh, inward unity, I would say. Um, this is not to say that the physical aspect is not part of yoga. 
It is, because if you go back to the traditional texts, you will find references to it. The body is it's really part of it, but it's just one part. And it's one of the parts that has to come into play for you to reach this liberation. Um, so I think, um, you know, yoga is this kind of practice that's, that really makes you mature evolve into a, say, a centered, grounded, compassionate being while while keeping your body healthy, you know. Mm. So you can see it as a, as a way of life, really. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like I, I used to work um, freelance for a yoga company. Mm. Um, well, it was a yoga wear company, actually, but the owners were huge, huge yogis and... Um, it was complete way of life for them. Absolutely. Mm. It kind of, it really was what they based their values and their living around. I could really see that in them. So um, I completely understand, you know, what you're saying there. So that's obviously kind of traditional yoga or kind of, we've kind of moved to traditional into to modern yoga. So you practice and you teach cycle synced yoga. So can you tell us what this approach is? I'm not sure anyone else is doing this and, <laughs> you know, how it differs from practicing yoga in general, I guess kind of taking us through the cycle will be, would be really helpful for context whilst you do that. That would be amazing. Sure. Um, so as I said, I'm, I'm teaching the Yinger yoga method. So it's not like I created a new method. I think we, we already have so many, you know, that's not what, that's not necessary. We don't need that. But what I do is I take this method, I take this tradition and I work in the lineage of the Yinger family and the senior teachers that, that spread that work in the world. And, and I inform it with with what I like to define as body literacy, with, with what is menstrual cycle awareness. So basically, cycle synced yoga is practicing yoga, asanas, so the postures, and pranayama, so the breath work, in tune with your menstrual cycle, perimenopause and menopause. Because it's not just like your monthly cycle, it's really your life cycle. Mm. So you look at it as your cycle from birth, to menarche, to, to your menstrual ears, perimenopause and menopause, you know, and you go through it and you honor it and, and you really respect all the phases, the energies of the different life phases. And then, of course, within each phase, uh, you go deeper and, and you sink in with each phase, in this case of the menstrual cycle, right? During the menstrual ears. So, um, so, yeah, I think about it as a self-support system toolkit, really, right? So I think, you know, now, nowadays, I think like one cannot practice yoga ignoring their menstrual cycle. I mean, yoga, uh, what I just said, yoga is union, right? So mm -hmm. how can you practice it separate from something like your menstrual cycle, which is a core part of how your body, your emotions and your mind work? Yeah. It's, you know, it's just leaving behind like half of your entire being. That's just not possible, I think. And so, um, and also what I see with myself and with my students and, and it's like when you practice yoga in such a way, 
you find that it allows you to access those deeper dimensions of yoga. So um, not the physical one, but also like the inner, the most inner ones and, and the spiritual quest um, in an easier way. And that's because when you practice in tune with your menstrual cycle, you access this inner wisdom, which is the wisdom of mother nature. You basically let the rhythm of nature right, um, shine through you. You accept moving from a linear way of doing things, this hyperproductive way that we are so wired uh, with, right? You move into a cyclical way and you let... And, and then you are naturally more in tune with this deeper wisdom, with this soul. And, and basically what yoga wants is to bring you in tune with your soul, with your inner nature. You let it shine it. And then you get free from all these separations, dualities, from wanting this and that, from thinking this and that, from, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how does that look in a practice? So I'm going yes. to completely butcher this because I am not a yoga expert. Um, I just follow the videos. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yin yeah. yoga, you know, in layman's terms, is like a slower form of yoga, right? It's not like you're pushing yeah. your body through like yeah. a hot power yoga session. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you're using yin yoga throughout the cycle, but you're adapting it for the follicular, the ovulatory, the luteal, and the menstrual phase. Okay, so yin yoga, what you mentioned is it's it's another method of yoga, right? And so I don't like to think about it re- this way. So I like to think more of it like using uh, the asanas, so the postures, in a way that support you specifically in each phase. So you might need to slow down in certain phases, as you said. You might be able to do more advanced poses in other phases because you have more energies, you, you are more flexible. And so, for example, if we go through the cycle, um, during the menstrual phase, I place um, the most attention to resting. Okay resting and really recovering and uh, um, energy, right? So you would do something that is similar to yin yoga, I guess, and some more restorative poses, more supine poses, lying down, and uh, forward bends, which are good for um, resting uh, and and recovering energy. Uh, We don't do inversions, for example, so you will not say this, you know, standing on your head or your forearms, yeah. elbows, these kind of things, of course, during menstruation. Well, of course, there's people who do that, but we don't do that during menstruation. Um, and then, um, you know, as you move into what I like to call like post-menstrual phase, uh, so you, of course you are in the follicular phase, yeah. but I like to call it this way because um, so you have to really be careful that you don't jump immediately and because you feel yes. this rush yeah. you know and and of course you feel like you can do everything and you're super energetic and you're fresh and you want to and sometimes you even want to kind of compensate some people feel guilty because they rest during menstruation and they take this uh, downtime and then they feel like they have to compensate they have to make up the time they lost yeah and instead, in this first couple of 
days, at least uh, three, four days after menstruation has come to an end, you really have to like focus starting on inversions, for example, and gradually add all poses, but without wanting to overdo because otherwise you like you burn your energy all at once and then you are exhausted. Okay. But surely between uh, follicular and phase and ovulation, basically that's when you can explore the more advanced poses. You feel more uh, flexible. You can really, um, you have more uh, strength and energy. So you can do all, right? Mm -hmm. And then when we come to ovulation again, this is um, a phase where you have to be really careful uh, right? So if you have a regular menstrual cycle, you ovulate regularly, you don't have ovulation pain, uh, excessive pain. And so you can keep your regular practices fine. But if if you need, uh, like if you have irregular menstrual cycles, if you don't ovulate um, regularly, um, then I place a lot of attention on the fact that one doesn't have to harden the abdomen, for example. So mm. I wouldn't do, for example, abdominal asanas. Got of it. course, you don't yeah. need yeah, like uh, or closed twists. These things you don't do during menstruation either, of course. But ovulation, then it can be a very sensitive time. Okay, but this, all of these, if you, as you can imagine, it it implies it requires that you know your menstrual cycle right mm -hmm. so this here knowledge right you have to know the phases of the menstrual cycle you have to get this knowledge so that then you can adapt your practice right and then after ovulation what happens is in I like to divide then this, this luteal phase also in, in subphases. Um, I see some people still have energy some after like a couple of days or more after ovulation. Yeah, it's not yeah. like you fresh immediately. So I don't like to tell people, okay, you ovulated, now you can't do anything anymore. Like you just go rest, <laughs> you just go lie down. No, Look yourself like, up. <laughs> no, like if you still have energy, you feel good, just go on with your practice, but be mindful and listen to your body because you will start uh, at some point, you will start feeling less flexible due to the progesterone kicking in and the estrogen decreasing. And then when you start feeling stiffer and less energetic, you don't just push through. Yeah. You adjust your practice and do poses that support like you like good circulation in the pelvic region, opening poses like bound angle pose, wide leg, seated pose, garland pose, hero pose, lotus. Um, I'm just saying like some poses that come to my mind and um, you know and then when you get close to the end of the luteal phase and and you get to what we call premenstrual phase and a lot of people there start feeling like premenstrual cramps tension you feel heavy and you can have like um, your mood starts to change. So here, you really have to be careful that you support yourself and you do yeah. this um, like pelvic opening poses. And if you get really moody, you do backbends. Backbends are great to support emotional balance. So for example, I would suggest you do that in the premenstrual phase when you get, uh, let's say, mood swings. I don't like that much, this definition, but... Okay, mm. when your mood changes, when you feel like, you know, you get grumpy, you get this kind of different, different emotional balance, then you support it 
Okay. And the same goes for the pranayama. So the breathing practices. Um, surely they are really, they can be really beneficial. Uh, but this is something I didn't mention before. Um, we don't, uh, in the younger method and, and in the cycle synced yoga that I teach, I use pranayama. I start with um, breath awareness. I don't just, you know, throw people into advanced pranayama practices right. because actually that can be really hard on them. And it, it can be a lot of tension, irritation. It can bring irritation to the nervous system. So it can actually worsen the situation. So you start really with ryth rhythmic breath and um, breath awareness. And anyway, you do calming. And for example, you can do calming and soothing uh, pranayama techniques um, during your menstrual phase for sure. But also when you are premenstrual and you get uh, severe PMS, uh, cramps, moodiness, then you would focus on exhalation. Long, deep, mm -hmm. smooth exhalation, not stimulating inhalation. That's more for the post postmenstrual phase, follicular phase. Okay. Um, well, I didn't say what it is pranayama, so I, I maybe I should say it's yeah, no, breath work. Yeah, mm -hmm. so it is breath work, but um, again, it's not breath work just to work on the breath itself. Pranayama in the yoga. Um, discipline, it's really this uh, regulation of the inhalation, exhalation, and adding also breath retentions so that by controlling the breath this way, you uh, let the prana, so the vital energy, move freely through the body. So the body has to be. Um, healthy, vital vessel for then you to be able to approach the control of the breath. If you can't sit upright properly, if you don't feel your body, if you can't really, um, you know, be in connection with the body and there's a lot of stiffness and um, there's no proper circulation in the body, you can't access the benefits of the pranayama work. So we go step by step there. Just a reminder that this episode is sponsored by BU. These natural patches last for 12 hours, so they bring you prolonged relief and can begin working on relaxing your muscles before the pain kicks in, so you're prepared even if your period comes during the middle of the day. Some people even find that wearing them a night before their period can really help soothe the inflammation in the area. To shop, just head to link in my show notes. I mean, I love that because I, I use a lot of breathing uh, for, you know, vagus nerve support, for calming down um, a dysregulated nervous system. A lot of people with endometriosis do have, you know, a nervous system that is on high alert all the time. So mm -hmm. breathing exercises can be so, so helpful. So we've obviously, I mean, you've covered some of this already, but what are the benefits of cycle synced yoga specifically, you know, from your perspective for endometriosis, how can they help this community? 
Yes. So as you just mentioned, I think one of the great benefits is really stress reduction and pain reduction. So there's some study out there, some studies out there already um, really um, highlighting that that yoga as an intervention helped uh, people suffering from endometriosis with um, the results of reducing stress and reducing the chronic pain, reducing other symptoms like depression, lower back pain and, and others. That's amazing. Um, yeah, and there's one actually great study, but the results are not out yet. And it's one specific study of a younger yoga as an intervention for endo patients. So I'm just very curious to see what the results are, but it's not published yet. But okay, so there are these are like the general benefits, I think, of yoga, but something that I, I think I already mentioned before, but I really want to uh, make sure the message um, you know, goes through is that especially with this kind of conditions, I think it's really important that when you practice, you practice with uh, awareness, precision, and really supporting yourself. Because sometimes I've heard of people practicing yoga and i'm talking about people with endometriosis reporting that they had like a worsened condition and maybe because they had you know a worsened pain even and because they stretched too much yeah this, yeah so i think it's really important that you know um as as a, a practitioner but also as a teacher um you really have to know uh, the condition and you really have to be careful that you take on board like everything, everything, the old picture, because it's it's a condition that really influences your life on all levels that you can leave things behind. Um, and so it's really important that in this case, for example, being a condition that it's so deeply connected with your menstrual cycle, because of course, like endometriosis patients, they also um, oftentimes struggle with irregular uh, periods, uh, pe period pain and with uh, fertility issues and uh, sex pain, you know. So yeah. it's so important that, um, you know, your practice comes from a place of awareness and knowledge of, of really respect of the phases of the menstrual cycles and um you know people get to understand like when the pain comes and is it connected to ovulation to menstruation and what can i do then to support myself during those specific times and and then also like how um how can i improve my hormonal balance using my practice next to how can i reduce stress and reduce my chronic pain using my practice. So I think it's like um, cycle synced yoga in this case for endometriosis patients is like adding an extra layer of refinement. You know, mm. you go deeper in supporting your entire being. You take in consideration and respect and, and, and support your cycle. Because if you neglect it, actually you could worsen your symptoms, you know, instead of doing any good. So, yeah. And, yeah. 
And I, the, what you were saying as well about, you know, worsening the symptoms, that makes a lot of sense from the perspective of adhesions, right? If yeah. someone has adhesions from not just the endometriosis, but, but the surgery, yes. um, the stats for adhesion occurrence after surgery, um, abdominal surgery are staggering, um, you know, depending on the study you're looking at, the range is between about 60 to 100% of people yes. post-abdominal surgery will get adhesions. And so even if someone doesn't have very active endometriosis, they could have adhesions from the surgery. And, you know, pulling, going too far into one pose, um, you know, I find if I pull my right hip back too far, I've got quite a significant adhesion from my surgery there. That can really cause me like, you know, pain that I'm not, I wouldn't normally get, um, I wouldn't typically get like right side kind of ovarian pain, but if I kind of push this adhesion too far, I will. So I know now not to go too deep into those kind of stretches, um, lunges and, you know, peaceful warrior, things like that. Um, is that something that you kind of observe as well, that adhesions can be something yeah, that can be problematic? Yeah, so adhesions, exactly. But I think the solution is not like avoiding uh, certain postures. Mm-hmm. I think it's like supporting the posture. So using props that help you to do the pose in a way that serves you, right? Because most of the times you see... Um, this pain comes when you go, for example, in external external rotation of your femur head, you open your pelvis, right? Mm-hmm. And then you get more of that stretchy sensation. And these poses, you need to do them to um, ensure there's good circulation in the pelvis. And right. so right, yeah. it's really important that people with endometriosis, find a way to do the poses in a proper way, in a supported way, um, which allows them to benefit from those poses, okay? It's not just about, you know, removing all of them because you end up with just lying down on the floor doing Shavasana again, (laughs) right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's really important. And this is one of the specific things that I suggest to endometriosis um, patients to to really work on, you know, um, keeping their abdomen soft, elongated, lifted from the pubic bone to the navel in a way that doesn't really worsen uh, the pain, but in a way that um, brings good circulation and space opening. So you can do that in standing poses without, for example, reaching the floor, but keeping your hands higher on bricks, on on the chair, looking straight forward, elongating your um, pubic bone forward, right? Towards your sternum and the sternum forward. Instead of going down, you stay up, for example, Mm -hmm. and you become longer. Yeah, for example. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you're talking a lot about endometriosis patients having an awareness of how to kind of adapt these practices. So would you typically recommend that someone, you know, follows, uh, works with a teacher or follows like an online program that's designed for people with pelvic pain and endo? Like, because there are so many YouTube, like free Mm. YouTube accounts for for yoga. Um, And that's really how 
that's most of the time how I practice. Um, I mean, actually, I use Melissa Wood now, but they're certainly mm. not adapted for for people like me. I just kind of adapt to them myself because of my my knowledge and understanding of of endo and the pelvic floor and stuff. I'm I'm able to to adapt it, but if someone you know, I'm, I'm trained in endo, but for someone else, would it be better to have some sort of teaching? Yeah, I, I think so. I really think so. It's like, you know, like normally for endo, you need a team of experts. Like it's really rare that you find one person that's, that helps you from start to end, right? Yeah. And I think it's the same with, with your let's say movement practice, let's keep it simple, right? Let's not go into the spiritual thing if, uh, let's do it, you know, to make it simple. And if you just want to work on reducing the stress and reducing the chronic pain, maybe that's the starting point and, and it's great. I think it's all great. Whatever is the starting point, it's a great starting point. And But I think in, when you have this kind of conditions, you definitely need support. You can't just uh, you can't just go with a free YouTube video now because because if you don't have that awareness you were talking about, you would then blame the yoga, right? You would say yoga is not for me, mm. right? But in fact, it's not that yoga is not for you. It's that you're not doing a yoga practice that's serving you in that moment. And uh, and another thing that I want to say and that I see, uh, it's not only then this um, benefit of cycle synced yoga for endo on a physical level, on a stress reduction level, um, but it's also, you know, a lot of times I see people, they have this relation with pain where the pain becomes part of themselves. The pain becomes part of who they are, right? The pain mm -hmm. is kind of... Um, having power over them. Yeah. And with yoga, being yoga, not just a physical practice, but being that the mind is so much involved and that, you know, when you do the yoga, is your mind, your mind learns to calm down and you then learn to regulate your senses too. Um, what you also learn is that um you find a way through pain you find a way to separate yourself from the pain so you it's like you look at the pain from out outside it's not anymore what defines your nature right mm -hmm. so you see it from the outside instead of it having power over you this mm -hmm. is what i see the, the, you know the mindset shift i see happening and and that's how i support I support uh, endo people, uh, endo warriors. This way, really seeing the pain um, from the outside, you know. It's not what defines you. It's something that happens to you, but it's something you can learn to separate yourself from. It's not something that defines your true nature, nature that deep inner nature wisdom you have. Yeah, and that sounds like a similar approach to mindfulness or chronic pain. Mm. Um, I know that there's a lot of studies on that now. Um, and I'm not saying this is the same as yoga, but I think what they're kind of understanding is, well, it's not that the mindfulness gets rid of the pain. It no. just changes the way that we experience the pain that makes it more manageable. Um, yes. And it kind of sounds like a, a similar mindset shift with with this cycle sync yoga 
Yeah, exactly. There's this shift where you separate yourself from pain, you you manage it better, you reduce you reduce also the pain triggers by regulating your nervous system and um, reducing really then the chronic pain uh, sensation. Yeah, uh, this yeah this is like what I see happening overall. Yes. And are you, do you have any kind of favorite? poses that you you see being particularly soothing for endo-related pain? So uh, what I see working on the long term is like really um, in using, uh, practicing conscious relaxation in your daily, on a daily basis, um, which is not just lying down, plain lying down. Um, maybe at the beginning, that's what it is. And you even fall asleep, which is fine because anyway, you're you're uh, resting, right? Yeah. But then um, when you lie down in Shavasana, so with your body on the floor, and maybe you support yourself from, let's say, the entire back, neck, and head with a bolster or maybe blankets or pillows. If you don't have one, that's fine too. And then what you do is you learn to actively relax your body. It's something you do. You're not just lying there doing nothing. You learn to actively relax your body. And then you learn to use the breath as an anchor for your mind. So your mind stays connected to the breath. And doing so, you balance, you balance your nervous system. And, and so this is something you do daily, right? And then when your body learns the protocol right to to calm down and to go more into the parasympathetic nervous system um then you can use this relaxation technique to help yourself also get through the pain so when you when you feel the pain because your body learns how to calm down when you are not in pain then it's easier it's quicker to to go through the pain and you can use that same than conscious relaxation uh, and then also, for example, using images like exhaling through your fingers, you know, when you are in pain, you would do this conscious relaxation, but then you would add images to really help you um, manage the pain in that precise moment. And then also belly breathing, belly breathing uh, associated with breath awareness. So really let that belly move. And this is something that we never do. We are so stuck with this suck your belly in thing, yeah. you know. Yeah. And and we just have to get rid of this. And I see that, first of all, it's really hard normally. I really rarely find someone that first time can just place their hands on their lower abdomen, just above the pubic bone, and let the abdomen move up and down when you inhale, exhale. Normally it's stuck. There's no movement there. So the stagnation, you know, you have to let this belly move in harmony with your breath, not pushing it, not, not hardening it, but let it move. This is something also that I see um, being very effective. And pranayama, we already said, the breathing. So with special attention onto long, deep smooth exhalations and uh, then the work I was mentioning in with any pelvis opening posture practiced in a way that supports you using props 
that avoid you feeling this extreme stretchy sensation. But I mean, I know uh, that this works for adhesions in general. You know, this works for scars, scar tissues and adhesions. So it's the same principle right here. You just have to make sure you work uh, in parallel um, on this aspect, on your adhesions. So with these opening postures, but at the same time, you work on your on regulating your nervous system. So the relaxation, conscious relaxation, pranayama, belly breathing. And what also works really well is the inversions. So being upside down, which of course is not something you would start with if you're um, a new practitioner. But there are ways of introducing inversions where your head is lower than your chest also to um, newcomers to yoga. And these are great because they stimulate the pineal gland because of the position of your head, right? So then they are really beneficial for your hormonal balance. Okay, Um, that's so interesting. Yeah. And backbends for... Um, really to help with emotional balance, with depression, and really just to have that sense of, you know, self-confidence, believing in yourself. Like you feel when you do backbends, then you feel like you're in control, you feel in charge. And that's so important when you fight, you you are all the time with this pain sensation that really, really um, takes on your entire life, right? So it's really important to give people this chance, this tool, this instrument to feel empowered and backbends do that. Okay, that sounds all amazing. It's making me want to go and do some (laughs) some yoga. Um, So obviously you don't have to um, answer this if this isn't something that you focus on, but from a non-yoga perspective, are there any kind of ways that endo-warriors can support themselves all cycle, you know, all cycle long um, to reduce or, or manage symptoms or any any tips that you see working quite well? Okay, so what I see working is this, you know, having rituals, routines. So like if you don't, if, if you don't have one, I would really recommend you start morning and evening routine. And these routines... Um, I recommend that they include relaxation again, morning and evening, even if it's just 10 minutes, you know, because you set the tone for the day and then you have the chance to really bring down the nervous system again in the evening. So uh, before you move into your night time, um, routine, uh, hygiene, sleep hygiene, call it <laughs> the way you want, yeah. you need a closing ritual. So you need something to, to close your day, right? And I see this really works. And something I didn't mention before, I also see works really well, which might not uh, sound like yoga related, but after all it is, it's um, like singing or chanting if we mm. want to give it a more yogic perspective. So, you know, chanting is so beneficial because it stimulates the vagus nerve. So, for example, when you when you sing in low tones, you 
you do humming, you know, that's that's what you do. So you can, for example, chant the OM or humming sound. Um, if you are a yoga practitioner and you know it, then you could then practice the Brahmari Pranayama, which is the bumblebee breath. That, that's what it is. It's a humming sound on exhalation. And it's so beneficial to regulate, to downregulate the sympathetic nervous system and activate the parasympathetic one, stimulate the vagus nerve. So that's also something that I see working. And then what else? I'm not yogic, not yoga related. Of, I'm sure your listeners know everything about food, so I'm not going about <laughs> food. But um, what I want to add to like uh, a good diet is like eating, not only a good diet, but eat mindfully, which yeah. I see makes a huge difference. So, you know, Turn your breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks into ritual because digestion starts in the brain and digestion is it's always affected also by endometriosis. So we really have to make sure you, st- you start your uh, lunch, whatever it is, with like some deep, long exhalations. You sit down, you take your time, you um, not only think about like eating the right foods, but foods that you want to eat, colorful and uh, that, that have a good smell, you know. So that um, that's also, I think, this mindfully eating idea. It's also very beneficial. And then um, I'd say focus on good sleep, which is really vital, definitely. Yeah. Uh, like sleeping well enough, restorative sleep. Uh, definitely switch off all devices two hours before bed. Like this is this is fundamental. This is like a rule. <laughs> and and spending time outdoor. This I think is one of the most underrated, like really like free tools that people can use for chronic in general for for chronic conditions to to get better just spend at least one hour a day outdoor taking a walk if possible in nature if possible and barefoot if possible you know i'm just adding on top and on top but start simple start with wherever you can maybe sip your coffee uh just just at the window you know just just looking outside but really uh, being exposed to sunlight, it's something that I see has a huge impact. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, from a cortisol perspective, we know yes. that people with endometriosis typically have low waking cortisol yes. levels, which makes them have, you know, they have chronic fatigue. Um, mm-hmm. And they're told, oh, it's just your endo. Um, mm-hmm. Well, it's because cortisol is so low. Cortisol is not just our stress hormone, it's our energy hormone. So we need a healthy amount. We don't want too much, but we want a healthy amount because without it, we feel terrible. Um, so that light in the morning or getting outside actually helps to regulate a healthy cortisol release. So I think that that is so important. And so does regular sleep, um, you know, trying to avo- avoid blue light in the evening, even if it's just half an hour before bed, right? Um, mm-hmm. Because it, it does raise cortisol to unhealthy levels overnight. At night. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think all of that makes makes sense because it's so much about regulating the nervous system and, and the cortisol release, right? The circadian rhythm. Um, and those are both typically not where they should be with endometriosis. Um, so makes total sense why you see that those work so well right 
So where can listeners find out, you know, more about your work? How can they, can, how can they work with you? Do you have like an online program or is it all in person? Okay, right now, I think people would just head to my website, elisa.yoga, plain and simple, and then they can find out more about myself. Right now, I work one-on-one online with with people, so they can work with me one-on-one online. And I'm working on an online program, which hopefully will come out early next year. Fingers crossed. But yeah, right now, it's one-on-one support. Yes. That's so exciting. I can't wait. You must let us know when your online program's out as well. And I'll make sure that I, I share that later on. Uh, um, I will. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, that'd be great. Well, Elisa, thank you so much for coming on. It's been so interesting uh, to talk about yoga from this perspective and all of the ways that it can support us. Um, it's something that I'm leaning into a lot more at the moment because I, I do have quite severe HP axis dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Um And so I'm no longer, you know, pushing my body with weight training at this moment. I'm doing a lot more like yoga and Pilates. So I'm certainly going to start adapting some of my my movement for my cycle. So thank you so much. Well, great. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. So that's it. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more about what I do or read more on endometriosis and living well with it, Um, you can head to my Instagram page, which is this underscore endolife. Um, You can head to my website, which is www.thisendolife.com. And you can also get um, a free guide to managing endometriosis naturally on my website. Um, I've put the link in my show notes. It's a beginner's guide to getting started and all of the areas that I Um, have worked on to help reduce my endometriosis symptoms and pain and live well with endometriosis as always if you like this show please rate review and or subscribe really truly does help others to hear the podcast and hopefully will help them to live better with endometriosis this episode was produced by the pod farm whether you're an established podcaster or just getting started visit thepodfarm.com to see how they can help you go from an idea to a finished show that's ready to be heard by the world